It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. Welcome back to the Do the Evolution podcast. I'm Jason Lang, and this is a show about filmmaking, technology, and transformation. Um, this is my third episode, an auspicious day here in the United States. Uh, I think as we speak right now, Donald Trump is getting inaugurated as president. And rather than watching that, I'm here trying to create something. Figured that would be the most useful type of activism I could do today, is just uh, creating something in line with myself and my values. I'm on a different microphone today, so I might sound a little different. Um, have my good one again soon, but this should be fine for now. I think I've kind of figured out the post-production side of things a little bit, so hopefully the intro and outro song are working a little better. Uh, and today, two things I'm going to be kind of, again, just riffing on, somewhat related. Um, and the first one is kind of an extension of some of the material that came up last week. Um, really this kind of concept of time and the passing of it. Uh, in specific, uh, what's been present for me right now is uh, memories. And this weird thing that happens, or this moment that I've always kind of been fascinated by, of when like a recent memory becomes a distant memory. And like what exactly is happening in that, but there's like a, for me, there's like a noticeable quality of this thing that happens when like recent past suddenly becomes distant past. Um, and on the one hand, it might just be that there's, you know, I have more memories since then that are kind of pushing those farther back. But it's it's fascinating to me to try to think about like the point when that happens, like when exactly does a recent memory become a distant memory, and what is that all about? Like, because for me in specific, you know, with the new year, like I was talking about last year, it's just interesting um, over the last week and a half or so to realize all these events that I thought about as last year were now no longer last year, like 2015 is more in the distance now in a way that um, it wasn't even just last December. You know, that might be just an arbitrary marker in my mind, but it actually does feel somewhat <clears throat> different and distinct. And that's likely because, as I mentioned last week, I'm undergoing a lot of uh, change right now in terms of moving in with my fiance and moving to a different part of town and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about, you know, in some ways, only now that they're distant memories, do I feel like I even have a fuller grasp on, like, what happened to me in 2015? Like, do I have enough distance from it all to kind of have a sense of, wow, that was a big year. Like, a lot changed for me. A lot was hard for me. Um, and a lot was awesome that year. In developmental terms, you know, the 
this might just be a version of subject becoming object that the longer a memory stays in us, the more it's we're less identified with it in some extent, or I'm less identified it and with it, and the more it's becoming more of an objective thing that happened, which I think is kind of fascinating. And that, yeah, that that shift also seems like where, for me, the narrative of my life starts to become present. Like in 2015, you know, recent memories in some extent, because they're so fresh and because I'm still so close to them, I think it's harder to see exactly how it fit into the story or the narrative or the path of my life. But as time goes by and becomes more object, it's easier to see kind of those bigger contours of, oh yeah, this thread or this thing that um, I had been following, you know, maybe sometimes even years before that. I can see how that played out in this year now, or changed, or didn't. And I just love that. Um, I'll be talking a lot about, on this show, just memories and time and whatnot. And it's something I was thinking about this week that I've actually just always been fascinated with. I can remember... Um, in grade school one of my favorite things to do at the beginning of the year or like when we get all the new school materials would be to take one of the notebooks you know I'd have for like social studies or something and like flip 140 pages into it this fresh notebook and like write myself a note from that day dated and there was something fascinating to me about moving through the year and then eventually coming to that day and being like oh yeah I remember when I wrote that you know, back in September, it brought, it's to some extent, still that kind of thing still brings me a lot of pleasure. And I don't know exactly why or what that's about, but it, it definitely seems something to do with memory and this passage of time and learning to feel time. And as I've been thinking about recent memories, the other thing that struck me is how profoundly different first memories are for me than like than other memories if that makes sense like i'm thinking of well i i can think of three specific moments which were like three memories of the first times i visited places or three times i went somewhere for the big first big time and it's like i can vividly remember them and their characteristics and their distinctions more than I can oftentimes the countless days and hours and memories I had in those places afterwards. And at the same time, they also feel distinctly different. Uh, like first memories to me, it's interesting. They almost feel like altered states because I can remember my perception of things then, but they don't quite match up to what became the reality. Meaning it's like, I can remember the same locations and peoples, but it all feels slightly different, slightly otherworldly, maybe because I didn't know the place yet. Um, I specifically remember when I uh, I did a visitor day up in UC Santa Cruz when I was transferring up there for college, and I had taken a Greyhound up from Southern California and took this bus all the way up um, from downtown into the campus. And uh, like I totally remember i think the second or third bus stop maybe 
on that road up. They stop at what's kind of the recreation center or the, the gym. And to this day, I still remember that bus stopping and people getting off of it. And just like the quality of the campus that I would then spend years exploring and being in. But it feels so different at the same time, uh, comparing all of my years I spent there to that first memory. Same thing with Colorado. I flew out there in January of 2006. On uh, the way back from, uh, I had gone to a friend's wedding in Chile, and I actually stopped in Denver on the way back. And I guess I took a bus out to Boulder and stayed in a hotel kind of down on, uh, I guess, near the university. But I distinctly remember walking around Pearl Street that day. It was a winter day and it was cold and kind of cloudy and quiet. And even though I would spend some of the best years of my life in that city, that memory is of me being in a boulder kind of feeling like an alien, feeling like I didn't know this place. I didn't know anyone. I was kind of fascinated by it and walking around a bit like a ghost. And then coming to LA, um, I drove out here with my girlfriend at the time and I vividly remember uh, the part of the 101 coming in from the east where you curve around and start to see kind of the buildings of um, Burbank and Toluca Lake. There's like some kind of high rises right around the curve and then the exit to where my current place is. It's like maybe a mile after that. And the city, yeah, it was a total alien world to me then too. And I've now driven that hundreds of times and it is never as impactful as that first time. And it never, it's never felt quite the same as that first time. And why I'm rambling on this, I don't know, but it just, to me, it's so fascinating how those first memories make such a distinct impression and are so much the same, but also slightly different. And something that I'll probably be exploring again in the future. But now for the meat of this episode, speaking of arriving in Los Angeles, uh, I just wanted to talk about L.A. You know, sometimes when I see friends I haven't seen in a while or meet strangers while I'm traveling or something, I tell them I live in L.A. And there's this like, oh, sorry, man, uh, feeling where they're like, it must be hell. And the truth is, it is not for me. Um, coming from Boulder to LA was definitely a kind of 180 degree turn in terms of scenery, lifestyle, geography, community, and almost everything else I can imagine. And it wasn't necessarily an easy transition. Uh, it took me a while to really sink into the city. But now I freaking love it. I think LA is one of the most amazing cities and unique cities on the planet. And some of this was originally inspired by, um, there's a blog out there from Build a Blog called LA is the Apocalypse, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's, it's awesome. It's fantastic. It's kind of maybe a, a bit more of a stark <laughs> view of what I'm talking about, but I think there's some legitimate truth to it as well. Um, but for me, the thing about LA and specifically when I 
feel into it versus Boulder, which is somewhere I just totally loved and was amongst one of the most amazing places I've ever lived, but never quite felt like home to me. Um, and a distinction I've kind of felt in my system since then, which is maybe a bit, you know, heavy on the cognitive and wordplay, which I'm a huge fan of wordplays, but it's this diff subtle difference between uh, in Boulder, which is probably one of the most educated places on the planet. I think they have like more PhDs per capita there than possibly anywhere else. And just overall, like the level of high functioning people there is pretty incredible physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, but it is also a very expensive place. And while it's changing, still overall a very white place. But it's also a very liberal place. Uh, so the thing about Boulder is, to me, it always held a perspective of diversity. Like everyone there believes in multiculturalism, believes in diversity, and the um, kind of strengths that it brings in terms of to cultures and communities and to the world. Whereas LA, I feel like, is actually kind of the opposite. And it's the environment I actually feel that I'm learning to thrive more and more in. And that's where, instead of being a perspective of diversity, LA is actually just a diversity of perspectives. Like, there is pretty much everything happening here. Um, from, you know, kind of gang and tribal thinking all the way up to, you know, some of the most profound spiritual teachers on the planet work here and teach here. And there's room for, like, everything in between. And that's probably more than anything else what I just adore and have come to love about this town is because it's this whole town is basically set up to reject in some ways and overwhelm. Um, like it's so massive. There's so many people constantly moving out here to pursue their dreams in music or arts or film or entertainment and even the tech world these days. That um, it can be, it can just be anything you want. I think more than, I remember my, the very first weekend I flew out here to look for apartments, I ended up at this crazy dinner party with some just very, various weird consciousness and tech people. Uh, one of whom, Jason Silva, has gone on to be pretty huge, which is pretty awesome. But, uh, Someone there, a friend of a friend, I remember said, LA is the th like the throat chakra of the world. And I think that was in specific reference to the entertainment industry in that a lot of culture is created um, and disseminated from Los Angeles that goes out not just to the US, but to the world. And I think there's something really awesome and profound and attractive about that to me. And it's a place that because there's just so much happening, you can be whatever you want. You can be whoever you want, unlike any other place I've ever lived. Um, and I, I say that, you know, even lovingly to Boulder or Santa Cruz or some of the more liberal areas of this country. But it's like the thing, if I had to put a, uh, like tie a nice bow around it, the thing about I, I love about L.A., is LA actually leaves room for and has space for even shallowness. So even 
um, being, you know, this is totally stereotypical, but a, let's say, upper class white Beverly Hills lady with tons of plastic surgery and a, a poodle in her purse that cares about nothing but uh, housewives and gossip. Like, that's totally cool here. You can do that here. You can be that here. No one's going to blink an eye. No one's going to give a shit. Uh, and that's something I celebrate and love. Like, people are weird here. We got the skater punks. We got the film punks. We got the Venice hippies. We got the Topanga hippies. You got the Laurel Canyon hippies. You got the film nerds. You got the tech nerds. Um, you have the working class of East L.A., South L.A., the Valley, just like pretty much any subculture you want is available in LA. And that is something I'm just profoundly grateful for. And sometimes becomes overwhelming to me as I've been here now seven years and I feel like I barely know the city. Um, just the other week I went downtown to the arts district, which is like one of the parts of downtown they're revitalizing. And it was like stepping into a whole nother planet. I didn't even know existed. Um, it's massive, you know, the, the normal story, coffee shops and breweries are going in and this like what used to be just an industrial wasteland um, kind of southeast of downtown is now like vibrant and full of people, young and old of all kind of ethnicities. And it was awesome. I was like, wow, had I moved here when I was 25 or 26, I definitely would have given it a shot to live down there because it it's that kind of urban lifestyle that I've never fully lived where you could really kind of just drop a car and walk around and right in the heart of Los Angeles. So yeah, my LA love story, and it's not even just about like the, you know, you can be whoever you want here in terms of there's so much room for identity, which I think is true and is, which is great. But the, the thing here, which is both, I think the pro and the con of this place in terms of it being easy and hard and the fact that, like I said, it's kind of set up to reject people in the sense that like so many people move out here, you know, hoping to make it so to speak. But really it's like, you know, 99% of people that come out here to make it in any kind of arts and entertainment way don't really do it and get rejected, get spit out. And, um, you know, maybe last a year or two here and then get churned out. Like, it is also one of the most transient cities I've lived in in the sense, like, so many people I meet here are from somewhere else. But there's also a, to me, something profoundly awesome and relaxing about that, that, like, one thing I do love about this town, which some people would say is maybe a criticism of it or part of the shallowness of it, it's just I love that everyone here is, like, at least in my world, obviously there's other classes of people that are just trying to like survive here. But I love that at least in the arts and kind of creative class here, more than anywhere else I lived, like people are going for it. People are trying it. People are hustling. Uh, they have a dream and they are trying to make it happen. Working four jobs, doing an Uber, waitering, waitressing, playing music on the side or writing scripts or filming things or creating plays or painting or whatever. And that's something I find like so engaging and exciting is that unlike other, you know, even kind of back where I lived, you know, sometimes I'll 
meet with friends who just, you know, kind of took the job out of college and are happy in their lives, but didn't necessarily go for it. And there's always that like, oh, what if, what if, what if, or I could never do that. I could, I could never move across the country. And it's like, well, you could, at least most people could. And there's a, I think a certain joy that comes from that here in LA where it's like, well, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard town to live in. It's expensive. It's a hustle. But there's that satisfaction of like, well, if I moved here and I went for it, I I tried, I went for it. No regrets. Um, And I find that energy and engaging in that energy with people really stimulating and relaxing and awesome and inspiring. And then the other probably big secret of LA that I love and why I think this city works for me as someone who's mostly introvert, but a little extrovert and um, mostly loves kind of like quiet and outdoors and peacefulness, but also loves like subways and packed concerts and tons of people and like mixed use urban living is LA is this like perfect thing for me of both. Um, you know, I can be in Hollywood or up in Griffith park within 20 minutes of each other. And the difference in experience is just night and day surrounded by trees in vast open, empty space or on a gritty Hollywood Boulevard surrounded by tourists or people partying, seeing, you know, a screening of a movie I like with one of my favorite directors. Uh, It's, I think one of the best kept hidden secrets here is that like LA is actually kind of a nature lover's dream. Um, Certainly is for me, the more I've explored it and gotten to know kind of Griffith Park, uh, the Verdugo Mountains, everything north of Pasadena, and absolutely uh, Santa Monica and Topanga. And even up there in the Angeles Forest I've been going to lately, which just feels like a whole different planet. I mean, to know I can drive like a half hour from my house and multiple times a year possibly see snow is incredible to me. And the thing about it here is, you know, this will probably change, but it's like the vast majority of the city doesn't know about it. So I can go on hikes, you know, on a Saturday morning or a Tuesday morning, and they're like empty. There's no one there. And I'm standing there looking out into the city of millions and millions of people and feeling alone. I think that's exceptional. I think it's unique, and I think it's special. And I think growth and transformation-wise, L.A. is both blessed and cursed by um, what's this kind of sprawl thing that has led to so much trouble in the city with traffic and commutes and geographic um, dilution in terms of being so spread out was, you know, we were designed for a car culture. So everything's super spread out and they dismantled all the public transportation. So you have all these, you know, LA's, if anything, a collection of like 12 to 14 different cities that kind of just slightly overlap each other. And right now it kind of sucks because to get across the city is a huge pain. Um, And traffic really is gnarly. But that very same thing has allowed a lot of this open space and a lot of this kind of neighborhood diversity 
in between. And so it's fascinating, even since I moved here, how much the city is changing as the public transportation keeps getting developed. Like we do actually have a pretty robust subway system that they are adding to. And I take all the time and it's awesome. And it's becoming even more awesome by the pervasiveness now of ride sharing and Uber and Lyft and the fact that it's really easy to get to and from the subway station or to and from different parts of town without having to drive. And the two seem to be feeding each other in my mind and creating this cool opportunity where I feel like a lot of the transportation woes of the city, particularly once we have robot cars and whatnot, will be mitigated to a considerable extent, you know, in the decades to come. But geographically, we're already laid out in a way that um, we have these big, beautiful spaces. And in some ways, L.A. was a city that was just waiting for the right transportation technology to come. And a combination of like a robust subways and driverless cars, I think, is that. And it's going to allow it to be one of the most unique cities on the planet, in my mind. And certainly part of why I'm excited to be here uh, for the foreseeable future, kind of anchoring the SoCal world. Yeah, I'm kind of calling my brain. I'm at 25 minutes here. That's it for today. Um, Probably one of the most rambly ones I'll have. Um, Getting ready to move next week, so time has been tight. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to get some interviews going, so it's not just me chatting your ear off every week. But uh, thanks for listening, and I hope to talk to you again. Leave me comments or let me know what you'd like to hear about moving forward. This is Jason Lang for Do The Evolution. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. Check them out.